Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. Here we are, almost halfway through 2020, which is somewhat scary, but probably not as scary as what's taken place in that time, so just generally I hope everyone is staying safe and doing well. As usual, thank you to everyone who's listened to the episodes thus far this season, and an extra thank you to those who share with their friends or or comment on social media, uh, rate and review on iTunes, whatever you do, I do try to take notice of it, and of course, I can't respond to everything, but it doesn't go unnoticed, and I appreciate it very, very much. So as some of you might have seen, I've added the podcast to a bunch of other podcast platforms, so you no longer have to use Apple Podcasts if you have a preference for another platform. So currently, it's of course available at jcsmusicology.fireside.fm, that is the host website. Uh, It's also available on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. A link to all of those platforms is on all of my social media, and of course you can find direct links to them on the Fireside website. So I think this episode will have the most material that I've ever had for a B-side episode. There was quite a lot of material taken out of the last three episodes, and of course that started with Madonna, the Like a Prayer episode. So I'll just get right into this one, because ultimately it was pretty straightforward editing everything. Um, There wasn't really any exclusive material that I can recall, and I wasn't working with any multi-tracks except, I think uh, actually the Express Yourself multi-track had leaked just when I had finished editing the episode, and I considered going back and maybe doing something with it, but ultimately I just didn't think it was necessary, and I, I think that that's about correct. But there was one segment that I decided to take out of it, which you're about to hear. This is talking about the song Supernatural, and Ultimately, um, for those who haven't heard the podcast, I go through every track on the Like a Prayer album, with exception of Act of Contrition, which is an interlude or rather an outro, whatever you want to call it. And this segment just didn't really push the narrative along. Perhaps it showed that Madonna was experimenting a little bit more with her songwriting. Ultimately, it's just not a good song, in my opinion. And this segment didn't add anything. The Like a Prayer sessions wouldn't just produce material revolving around relatable themes. An outtake that would later feature as a b-side to the Cherish single, Supernatural, is a playful lyrical exercise about the benefits of a love affair with a ghost. seems appropriate with its spooky tone of choir synths and a theremin, it would rather surprisingly receive a remix in 1992 for the charity compilation Red Hot and Dance. This original arms house mix would be produced by Jamaican rhythm and production duo Sly and Robbie.
This instrumental is an entirely different take on the song, and some background vocals, either recorded or salvaged from the original sessions, differ from the master. Ultimately, Supernatural wouldn't make an impact with either release, and while its subject matter is undeniably ridiculous, it is indicative of Madonna's evolution as a songwriter. So that's pretty much it for the Madonna episode. Um, following that was Kate Bush. And for this one, it was really exciting for me because I was experimenting a lot with some AI applications that you can feed a stereo mix of a song through and it will spit out a multi-track, which definitely isn't perfect. You know, there are artifacts all over the place because they're essentially taking out or separating frequencies from what would conventionally be the frequencies for those stems. So, so the drums are not perfectly isolated, nor is the bass, nor is the vocal, so on and so forth, for most of what you feed through there unless there are significant differences in the frequencies between the instruments, which often there isn't. But with Kate Bush's Director's Cut album, a lot of those tracks actually worked really well. So a good example of that is the a cappella bit of this woman's work. It, it sounds almost as though it came directly from the multi-track, but it's actually an extraction. That's a really exceptional case. I, I don't think I've ever really had an extraction that's worked as well as that. So you, I'll probably continue to use those kinds of applications going forward, but not to the extent I did with the Kate Bush episode, because there are some areas where I think it's overused and probably didn't work as well as being able to insert an instrumental or an a cappella piece. But for a lot of it, it wasn't overly noticeable, but it, it does, you, you can do some really cool things with it in terms of uh, mixing it into other stems, which, you know, might be one version going into another and having that transition being a lot more smoother than if you were just crossfading the two versions as their stereo mixes. The first part edited out of this episode was for the song Heads We're Dancing, and this was ultimately included, I think I, if I recall correctly, I actually wrote this knowing that it was probably going to be edited out, which I'm doing a lot more lately, just kind of having more material than not to make the final edit with. And ultimately, this segment, it has an interesting story, but I don't think it's a great song. I think you can appreciate more of it having heard the story, but in the end, I just didn't feel it contributed that much to the narrative, but I'll let you judge that. While many of Kate's songs are written as characters, she, like any other conventional songwriter, would still take from real-life experiences to form narratives. Even though the Sensual World album is about love, or those you know the most, Heads We're Dancing touches upon more sinister acquaintances. This is the darkest song on this album, and I think in some ways it's not a song I would write now. I had a friend who went to this dinner. He was sitting next to this guy all evening. They had some of the most incredible conversations. He was so impressed with this guy. He was so intellectual and charming and so well-read, you know. 
He just thought this guy was perfect. The chemistry between them, you know, wonderful. They talked all night, and the next day he went up to his friend who had arranged the evening, and he said, who was that guy I was sitting next to last night? He was fascinating. And the guy said to him, uh, oh, didn't you know that was Oppenheimer? And uh, my friend's reaction was absolute horror. And if he had known, he would never have behaved like that. Knowing the backstory to this track gives an otherwise interpreted set of lyrics more vivid imagery. It makes an otherwise skippable song into something to analyse. thinking, you know, this is very interesting, the idea of someone who you found so charming and then later you find out that actually the most horrific thing you can imagine. And I thought, well, this is kind of like the devil, isn't it, where, you know, the devil's meant to be very sweet-spoken, very charming, very good-looking, you know, everything that's kind of attractive in order to then tempt, you know, temptation is an attractive thing. Well, what about an idea of someone who dances with the devil? Who is the nearest thing to the embodiment of the devil? It's, uh, it's Hitler. I mean, he is the personification of evil, as far as you can think of a single being. one is Wouldn't You Love to Love Me from The Red Shoes. I suppose this one, I think this was the last segment to be cut, more so for time than anything, but again, this is one where I feel like it's just not a great song. I certainly don't think it would be considered noteworthy had it not been for Prince and Lenny Henry featuring on there. I was going to, because I am working on a Prince episode, and the plan was that I would have Prince references in every episode leading up to the Prince episode I will probably end up doing. Um, In the Madonna episode, there's, of course, the Like a Prayer mention. In the Erica Badu episode, which came after, there was going to be a little interview clip where she talks about Prince's reaction to Worldwide Underground that ultimately wasn't included, probably because I ended up cutting this out of, of the Kate Bush episode. Really, the only thing that's interesting about this for me is that we have the demo 
for the song without Prince's inclusion, so you can hear what it started off as and then what it became. Um, I believe that's sourced from when Kate sent Prince the multi-tracks to the song to work on. Prince's engineer, I think it was Michael Koppelman, if I recall correctly, Uh, him being such a big Kate Bush fan, he made a mix of the song, and years later, uh, I I think he leaked it on the internet, and that's, that's how we have it. So to hear that transition from Kate's original to what it ended up being is somewhat interesting, but again, I just don't think either is particularly good, and and the story might be interesting, but again, it's just not pushing the narrative for me, which is ultimately why it was cut out. Production for The Red Shoes had occurred not too long after the release of The Sensual World, and one of the first songs to be written for the album would be the passioned Why Should I Love You. The track radiates Bush's style, a touch of eccentric instrumentation with a vocal that goes from a soothing rendition of poetry to a frenzied performance without notice or jarring the listener. Its sound is very similar to the album that came before, which may be why she sought after a collaboration to steer it into a new direction. In 1990, Kate saw Prince perform during his nude tour, where the two met backstage. Both hugely admired each other's work, and Kate invited Prince to perform background vocals on her newly recorded song. Oh, he was adorable. He was really playful and really sweet. And, I mean, what a, what a talented man. What, what an artist. He used to make me laugh because while I was working on an album, he'd have done two world tours, a couple of albums, a film. <laughs> Prince accepted. Kate organised the tapes to be sent to his Paisley Park studio in Minneapolis that following year. Prince recorded his background vocals, and guitar, and bass, and keyboards. Del Palmer received an almost completely revamped song, not quite knowing what to do with it for two years. 
The final mix would be a pretty even combination of both Prince's and the early version, with a few edits and additions, such as further background vocals by comedian Lenny Henry. I think Lenny's a really good singer. He's, he's done some singing on the new album. It's really good. Yes, you are on Kate's new album. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what? How Sing, much? Singing. Just a, just a... <laughs> it's a biggie. <laughs> I thought you might have had the odd solo in the middle of it. No, no, I get, I get to sing a bit in it, and it's, uh, it was very exciting. Kate was incredibly patient and made egg sandwiches. <laughs> and said, go on, son, give it some. <laughs> so I did. And the third episode was Erica Badu. And I have to make a special mention to Daniel, who provided a lot of the material, well, pretty much all of it, um, because if, if he didn't, I would have had to have spent probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars on buying... Uh, the CD singles, which isn't cheap, particularly living in Australia, you, you pay an exorbitant amount for shipping. Um, so big thank you to Daniel, who actually, when I sent him a message on Discogs, I think it was only a couple of weeks prior, he had actually subscribed to the show. So I guess the stars were aligned for, for that. But big thank you to him for supplying the material for the episode. Otherwise, it probably would have taken forever to have gotten made or wouldn't have been as good. So it, it's very much appreciated. The first segment that was cut from this is Next Lifetime. Now, some of you may have already heard it. If you subscribe to uh, my YouTube channel, I usually post up clips of the episodes that I post, and this was one of them, despite it not being in the final edit. Really, with this, I, I love the song, but again, just not essential to pushing the narrative forward. Next Lifetime is the second single from Baduism. Um it's a song about a woman who digs this guy a lot. But um, she's in a relationship already, so she has a choice. She could either, like, see him on the down low, or she can say, I'll see you next lifetime. So that's what she chooses to do. Just to give uh, another example of a way that you can live. After her move to New York, she was introduced to DJ Tone the Backbone, who would supply her music to write to. Instead, she adapted some lyrics she had written in college, giving birth to the number one ballad, Next Lifetime. This track is rather easy to interpret, but that's not to downplay its beautiful structuring of lyrics, accentuated by another amazing vocal performance. First time that I saw your boy, it was a warm and sunny day. All I know is I wanted you, I really hoped you looked my way. Then you smiled at me you so warm and sweet. I could not speak You made me feel like a lifted girl What do you do to me now?
I'm into you. I just wanna know what I gotta do, you know, to get closer to you. Mm, wait a minute now, you know I'm in a situation. Don't do this. Why are you tripping like that? Well, I understand that, but you, your whole vibe is, you know, I can see myself being with you forever. Ah, that's, you know, that's really beautiful, and I kinda dig you too, you know that. We, but we're friends, and I'm in a situation. I, I'm in a relationship, and you know what that means. Or whatever I gotta do, I'll do it for you. The song may leave the listener wondering, why would she stay in her relationship if this other guy makes her feel so good? Next Lifetime avoids any description of her current man almost entirely. Like most of us, our fantasies are more mellifluous than our inescapable reality. That's what this song is about. in love and this is it you are a lot of woman we are we do a lot we are a lot of things but not enormous enough to split ourselves in half or divide the pie y'all know what the pie is things that I've learned over time. Uh, those things that motivate me, inspire me. Fred Flintstone, George Jefferson. Relationships, uh, uh, experiences, you know, just all kind of things compiled together. That's, that's what Badu is. Ism is a slang for weed. And weed is supposed to get you high. So these Baduisms that I've created or that I am sharing are supposed to be inspiration to lift you or elevate you or evolve you to another place. I don't give a damn if they understand or not. As long as you feel it, you know what I'm saying? It'll hit you. We'll wait on you. So that was also cut because when I 
do an episode that focuses on a few eras of an artist's career. In this case, Barduism, A Bit of Live, Mama's Gun, and Worldwide Underground. I do prefer to give equal time to each. It's not always possible, but that is my preference. And so to have the Barduism section, which has Apple Tree, Next Lifetime, the other side of the game, and I guess you could count Precious Love in there, uh, it just seemed like a bit too much compared to Mama's Gun, which I think had three songs, and then Worldwide Underground, which initially just had two. And that brings me to the next part that was edited out, which is focusing on Love of My Life. Now, of course, the first version was a number one hit for Erica, and then she completely remade the song. I don't even know if it's right to say remade the song, because it's completely different for the Worldwide Underground album, which is the version I like. I'm I'm not a big fan of the first version. Because the two songs are so different, it was difficult to edit together, and I just don't think it worked. And I knew that while I was writing it, so I think I'd always intended to leave it in, but on the day of recording my narration for the episode, I wrote the segment about Danger, because earlier that day I realised that Danger was essentially a sequel to another side of the game, which I thought was interesting to add in. So after writing that, I felt more comfortable editing out this segment. In 2002, Erica would contribute a track to the Rick Famuyiwa film Brown Sugar. Love of My Life, an ode to hip-hop featuring her then-boyfriend Common. surface, it sounds like she's singing about a love interest, which she is. It's an ode to hip-hop. Badu would create another version of the track for a 2003 album, Worldwide Underground, titled Love of My Life Worldwide. It's a sample of Funk You Up by The Sequence, the first rap single released by a female group. Their lead singer, Angie Stone, features on Love of My Life, along with Queen Latifah and Bahamadia. Free, free, 
the freak, the phone phone Separate the good stuff from the junk And then I brain brain the bump the bone girl My name is Apples and I rock your world Worldwide, do your math 30, 26, 36 and a half I hope that you will realize I got the hazel eye to make it nature bad The track is completely different from the other sharing its title Rather than singing, Erica spits rhymes boasting her rapability An alternate version titled Funk You Up, Love of My Life features an entirely different opening verse by Bardu, which was only released to radio. You be so upset After leaving the bash You go home Tip your rhyme Throw your mic in the trash Purposely I did it Other words I meant to Go tell your mama Apple sent you home Where you belong Cause you ain't strong Nick, nick, fatty, whack Give me back my phone I roll into the last round Broken Apples on the mic Now bitch, who's joking? The original would be a huge success winning a Grammy Award for Best R&B Song, a Soul Train Award for Best Solo R&B Soul Single, and charting at number one on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Singles and Tracks chart. I don't know, I've been dropping verses the whole time, <laughs> but, uh, with melodies to them. I started out as an MC, and everything I do is kind of in that tradition. You know, I'm always trying to hit the two and the four with every lyric, with every word. And that's all of that, really. Going forward, the next episode will be on Michael Jackson's Off The Wall. I've pretty much remixed the entire album, plus a few demos for that one, which is why it's taking quite some time. But I'm very excited about that one. The artist I get asked the most about is Prince. And I did complete an episode back in season one that I wasn't happy with, so I didn't put out. I I think I put up a clip of it on YouTube and maybe in a previous B-side episode. But I am putting together another print script focusing on Sign of the Times, The Black Album, and Love Sexy, which will be a very long episode. But I am looking forward to it, and actually, today, a, a rumour is going around, I mean, it's been going around for a while, but, but some more supposed evidence of a super deluxe edition of Sign of the Times has come out, so I'm a little bit hesitant to put together an episode knowing that there could be a lot of potential material I could use in it. We'll see how that goes, but otherwise, uh, the other episodes I'm working on is Madonna for A Ray of Light Era, and Pink Floyd, Animals, and Wish You Were Here, which I've been working on since the, uh, the first season after I saw Roger Waters, which is probably a bit different from the artists that I've previously focused on, but I'm, I'm quite excited about that one as well, and, and very excited about actually finishing it, because I've had a couple of goes at it and have just gotten distracted by other projects, so... And, and I'm sure there will be more for this year. That That's the intent anyway, but sometimes the execution doesn't always follow through. Nonetheless, you'll be hearing from me again soon. I hope that Michael Jackson episode comes out sooner rather than later. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>